waiting for you and the power you possess in your well hello there friends this is Tessa MTV and welcome to yet another episode of not so high fidelity with me today as always is none other than this charming man himself <laughs> Mr. Adam Danger Adam how goes it today it's going very well, Tessa. I'm glad to be here with you. I'm glad to be here with the fans. Uh, just ready and excited to have our discussion today, our cool hangout for the evening. Definitely, definitely. Well, um, yeah, I'm doing pretty good today myself. I I did something that I haven't done in uh, several months, you know, due to the circumstances that we're in, and uh, that is that I got a haircut. So um, cut, cut. Probably about five to six inches off of my hair, which was really long. Still really long, though, so it doesn't look that much different. But, you know, I do have that funky, fresh feeling. So yes. that's that's always a good way to, to put a kick in my step there. And, yeah. you know, the, the weather, it's just beautiful today. And it has been the past few days. So that always puts me in a good mood, um, for sure. But, uh all right, uh, so let's just uh, go ahead and get to the task at hand here, shall we? Um, so today we're doing something a little bit different in, in today's episode. And, you know, typically on our not-so-high-fidelity podcast, my trusty sidekick here, Adam Danger, and I, we tend to ramble on about the things we love about music and such, but Today, we thought we'd talk about something we both had, uh, let's just say, uh, thoughts and concerns about, (laughs) (laughs) if you will. Um, And that's something, my friends, is uh, the Wonder Woman sequel, Wonder Woman 1984. Um, But I thought before we kind of get into the breakdown of the movie, I just wanted to provide a little bit of an overview of what my relationship is to the Wonder Woman character. So since this is, you know, quote unquote, my episode here. <laughs> yeah. um, so Adam, I think you, um, and, and just for the audience's purposes, you and, and really anybody that knows me uh, will tell you that there's no bigger Wonder Woman fan than I am. Uh, Wonder Woman was my hero when I was a little girl. And, you know, in quite on all honesty, she still kind of is. Um, you never really grow grow old for, for a hero like that. Um, to me, she kind of represents my ideal of what a strong female leader should be. Not just physically, not strong physically, but she demonstrates other qualities that I feel are representative of strength, like compassion. She expresses empathy for others. She really has that moral compass for doing the right thing. And, you know, most importantly, she is really selfless. And and also she was always out for uh, justice. She sought justice. She wasn't out for revenge, which mm. I think is most important as well. Um, she wasn't afraid to be vulnerable. She wasn't afraid to make mistakes. And in my mind, she is truly the embodiment of everything that makes us all human. Um, And like many other Wonder Woman fans, I had been waiting for 
it seemed like years and years, decades even, (laughs) (laughs) uh, for a Wonder Woman movie. We have a shit ton of Batman, Superman movies, but you know, when we were get when were we going to get our our Wonder Woman movie? And finally, our our prayers were were answered. We did get one, and it was fantastic. It really was, and it exceeded all my expectations of what a Wonder Woman movie could be. And then, of course, we got the sequel, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. So, Adam, let's kind of start out with some positives here. What did you like about Wonder Woman 1984? What did you think the movie did right? That's a great question, Tess MTV. One of the things I think that really works for uh, this iteration of Wonder Woman is that the relationship between uh, Diana and Steve Trevor, right? The, the actors Chris Pine and Gal Gadot. They have a chemistry. I think it's undeniable that in the first film, they have a real chemistry. You want to see these people on screen together, no matter what it is, right? Whether it's going through World War One, heck, you could put them into space, you could throw them into time. You want to see these two people interact because they really play off each other uh, very, very well. And, and I think uh, this film brought that back. They understood that that relationship was fun that that was the magic that was that was part of the first film uh, that they brought into this film. So no matter what you think about the film, we're going to talk about like the plot and and things that that maybe didn't work so well. But seeing these two characters, seeing these two actors together, it's almost like really they just complement each other so well. I think uh, mm-hmm. Gal Gadot uh, encompasses those things that you talked about, Tess, in terms of you know that compassion and empathy and and striving for justice, right? So when you have a character like that, sometimes, you know, they're going to be a little more stoic. They're going to be serious. This is serious. This is what I want to do. These themes are serious. And you need need someone to kind of play off of that to maybe be sometimes a little humorous or someone's like, oh, God, or you know what I mean? And, And make the other person laugh. And when they're laughing, the audience is laughing. The audience feels good. The audience feels, okay, these are three-dimensional characters. And I, I thought that this film, um, Wonder Woman 84, it gave us that again. And, and it's kind of clunky how we get there, but we get there. Um, and again, it's it's really enjoyable. There's some really magical moments in the film. Um, there's that scene. I, I really like the scene where Diana's in the jet uh, with, uh, with Chris Pine. And they're kind of sharing a nice... Uh, serene moment while these fireworks are going off and you don't really have to say too much you don't have to give too much exposition blah 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 it's mm-hmm. just a really really nice touching sweet moment and i feel like if the film did that you know as a 90 percent more this would be a way better film but uh, i would say that was that was really uh you know the big part of, of the film that i liked and and um the action was good to me i feel like the best parts of the film or at the beginning, when we go back to Themyscira, I think it's it's uh, pretty obvious to say that going back to Themyscira in the first film, even in uh, Justice League, right? You go back to the island, that's popular because we've not seen that as an audience. That is something that's so neat. It's so interesting. You go to this island of the Amazons and it's, you know, both ancient, but forward thinking. It's, it's a little more fantasy. And that is really, really interesting. Everything else... We've seen a dozen times, whether it's, you know, Spider-Man or or Batman, right, in terms of just kind of action and, oh, I've got to save the president's life. But when you go to Themyscira, that is all Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. And that's more of what I want to see. And then what I liked at the end, what I thought was great, 
was uh, spoilers. I'm sure you're going to talk about this. Seeing uh, seeing this lost Amazonian that was kind of traveling, traveling in the you know around the world, and oh my god, look who it is! Like I want to see that movie. Give me that movie. Give me the beginning mm-hmm. and the end. I want to see what's going on there. I think. To me, that was like, oh, like I walked away thinking, okay, if we're going to do a third one, let's do it about this. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Well, Adam, it's actually so funny because you actually touched on almost all of the points oh. that I was going to bring up to you. But I guess that kind of say, says a lot about this movie and 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 maybe, you know, those were really the only true highlights, the, the likability points of the movie. Um yeah, I definitely agree that the the chemistry between the characters of of Diana Prince and and Steve Trevor and and therefore the actors Gal Gadot and and Chris Pine, they really do have a great chemistry together, and it is fun to see their you know their cute cutesy little inner interactions with one another on screen, and of course you know that's that was the reason to bring him back, but of course it wasn't really executed all that well, which we'll get into uh, later uh, in, in the episode. Uh, but yes, definitely love their chemistry and, and was glad to see that again. Um, right there with you uh, at the beginning of the movie where they, they show Timiskira again. I really love how they highlight the athleticism of the women on the island. Yeah. That was one of my favorite parts of the first movie and I'm, I'm really glad that they, that they brought it back to that. Um, started off so well, but, you know, didn't, didn't continue that way, unfortunately. Um, the other, uh, really good thing that I liked about the movie is the Diana Prince, Barbara Minerva relationship, oh, okay. uh, uh, Gal Gadot and Kristen Wiig. I thought they also had a really good chemistry together as well. Um, both Diana and Barbara come across as loners. They seem a little bit isolated and maybe felt like they were misunderstood by others. And it was really nice to see the two of them build a kinship with one another. Um, I really would have liked to have seen more of that relationship explored a little bit. And then, of course, you know, the mid credit scene uh, with uh, Linda Carter. Yep. Uh, spoiler alert. Sorry if I spoiled <laughs> it for anybody. But she does make a, a special appearance there. And it was, of course, a nice nod to the original Wonder Woman. So those were a couple of the things that I liked. Um, so I feel like we're going to have a little more discussion on on this portion. What didn't you like about the movie? I think the, the biggest thing is just going to be the plot. It was mm-hmm. just incomprehensible um when you and i have talked offline about these kinds of movies whether it's you know wonder woman uh, you know x-men whatever it is right and, and you're watching these things my biggest complaint is like make the story elegant right make the story simple and what i'm going to use as like a, a comparison i think is a pretty fair comparison is the movie black panther have you seen black panther Test of TV? course many times yes black panther is a is plot wise is very simple the plot is about succession right it's about the king dies uh the new king arrives and has to fight uh a cousin that he didn't know about for for the title for the throne right uh that is succession is a premise that we can understand whether it's game of thrones whether it's the the is it hbo series succession right Mm -hmm. like we all understand okay power vacuum these two people are rivals now for the throne. We get it. That's the plot. It's that 
pretty straightforward. Uh, now, with that, you can put different kinds of themes in there. And I think what Black Panther does well is it puts so many themes about oppression, about, um, you know, uh, black power. What does black power look like? And there's even like a, maybe even a deeper rooted theme of uh, what is maybe a tension between being African and um, that being your identity uh, and and kind of coming up, uh, coming to grips with being black Amer and uh, a black American. Right. And, and sometimes that's even explored in something like coming to America. Right. You've got these mm -hmm. African princes, uh, African royalty that comes to New York and then they see how. Uh, you know, black Americans and how they treat each other, right? They kind of go back and forth. One's like regal, kind of like, oh my God, I can't believe. And the other was more kind of like, I was like a Mr. McDowell. Like, I don't care who you think you are. You can't come <laughs> over here and talk about my daughter like that, Jack. And there, that's a that's a tension that we have between T'Challa and Killmonger, right? They're cousins, you know, they're, they're related by blood, but one of them was exiled uh, and living in America and had to earn their way to be a rival, right, by killing all these people. And uh, the other has been royal, you know, and, and has been uh, bred for this role his entire life. And, and they come and uh, they come and fight for the throne. Again, there's a lot of deeper themes here that are very nuanced and very complex. Uh, and Ryan Coogler did an amazing job with that. And the acting, you know, uh, Michael B. Jordan and uh, Chadwick Boseman did an amazing job bringing out these things because, again, Killmonger is, is a very nuanced villain. We can agree with with his motivations and why he wants to kind of take power to throw off the shackles of all the oppressed brothers and sisters around the globe. Uh, but maybe we don't agree with with his, uh, you know, doing it in such a bloody way. Right. We have to have a kind of a dialogue. That's again, you you can't do that very easily it has to be very very nuanced when it comes to wonder woman i want that from wonder woman right i think for any kind of superhero film or action film the plot has to be simple it has to be from point a to point b now you can put these different kinds of themes in there weave them in uh but it it just can't be you know what we call 50 50 booking in wrestling it can't just be we're going here but we changed our mind we're going here we're gonna go there but actually it kind of negates what happened earlier and and here we are at the end and that i think was just really what plagued the movie is that i don't understand why things happen there were too many people maxwell lord being there i don't think needed to be there uh, mm -hmm. i think this movie would have been a lot more fun i really wouldn't have changed too much in terms of like i thought Kristen wig was fine i thought she did a good job i like that you said that you enjoyed her relationship diana and and barbara's relationship because that could have been the whole movie right these two women um these two women how do they interact with each other and then you and i talked about this several months back is i would have just focused on the two of them and maybe the overall premise the overall plot line is you know what is feminism is diana uh diana is this woman who's who's been around for a, a, at least 100 years if not longer uh but has seen kind of uh, women's progress from the suffragettes mm -hmm. right in world war one up to 1980 and she understands progress is a slow slog that you have to always keep fighting and there's you know um these victories have to kind of stack on top of each other but you have to keep pushing but it's not easy there's no shortcut to it and i would have liked to see barbara say actually there is a shortcut uh i could be sexy and i'm gonna kill any of my <laughs> adversaries like i'm gonna take it by force 
And they both kind of want the same thing, right? They both, in a way, want a more egalitarian uh, future for women, right? But one is going to do it and maybe not get recognized and has been doing it for decades and, uh, you know, is not getting the recognition that she deserves, obviously. And the other one's going to be maybe, again, if it's the 80s, I'm going to be on MTV and I'm going to be sexy. I'm going to be cool. Like I always thought of like Madonna, like I'm going to rule the world. I'm going to be so ambitious, but I'm, I'm going to get straight to the point. I'm going to go to the boardrooms. I'm going to rip off the necks of anybody who, um, <laughs> who you know, steps in my way. And I think that is to me, that would be very, very compelling, but it has to be nuanced. But again, keep it simple. These two women are fighting for control. Um, but you know, the overall, I think that's just kind of the, the, my big, uh complaint what did what did you think tessa oh gosh there's so much are you ready <laughs> yeah let's hear it let's hear it oh so many things so many things um first of all i i thought the movie was way too long yep uh there was just way too much filler for me there wasn't enough action we started out with some great action scenes with the flashbacks to that competition in Temiscara. But we really don't see any action after that until about an hour or so into the movie. So it just took way too long to get to that point. Um, another thing is I felt like you had to really throw all logic out the door for the movie to work. Yes. I think there was just way too many plot holes, so many unanswered questions. Just I think that was probably the biggest problem. Like you said, it was just a big mess. It was just all over the place. Um, you would think that a movie that is set in the 80s would have some 80s music, right? Oh, well, yeah. you know, we didn't really have any 80s music. I think the most that we got was that New Order song, Blue Monday, in the trailer. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there was a scene where they're at the museum and um, there was some kind of 80s sounding song in, in the background. Was it, but that was, was it uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, maybe, I want to say? or. No, I don't really remember. I don't think it was Frankie Goes to Hollywood, but it was similar to that. Um, but that's, you know, that's really all you heard as far as like 80s music. Um, you know, I thought there needed to be more character development. You would think with a movie that long to two and a half hour long movie that they would have more time for that. But but nope, didn't, didn't seem <laughs> like it did. So um and, you know, what was she doing for the past 70 years? What was Wonder Woman up to? Um, you know, are we really to believe that Diana Prince suppressed being who she truly was meant to be because she was pining away for her one true love, Steve Trevor, for 70 years? I mean, come on, really? I mean, to me, that just goes against everything that that Wonder Woman represents and and then when he does come back he's in some other dude's body and yeah. Diana just automatically falls back in love with him is she not concerned about what happened to this guy's soul what happened to his personality like isn't that weird isn't you know what's up with that and so another thing that you just kind of have to throw logic out the door to to kind of you know get the movie to flow for you but um, and that other scene, uh, where Steve Trevor just suddenly knows how to fly a modern jet. I mean, come on, really? Yeah. He, he's been gone for 70 years and he somehow knows how to fly a modern jet. 
and and I know you really like this scene, but this scene kind of bothered me. Um, really, where where they're kind of like flying through the fireworks, you know, they they decide to take a detour to some to see some pretty fireworks before their seemingly urgent trip to to Egypt to stop Maxwell Lord. <laughs> they have some time for that, okay? Guess so. Works <laughs> me, I guess. Um, and and you know, going back to the the chemistry between uh, Chris Pine and, and Gal Gadot, love it, of course. But I also think that the movie could have could have done without that storyline. Sure. Steve Trevor was not needed to drive the plot, and I think it was just a really lazy way to bring Chris Pine back, and you know, pretty much capitalize on the chemistry that he has with with Gal Gadot. Um. The other thing that I really wanted to see more of is, of course, that that transformation of of Cheetah, uh, Barbara mm. Minerva's transformation into the Cheetah character. I wanted to see a little more than just suddenly seeing her in bolder clothing choices and, and darker makeup to, to tell me that she had gone to the dark side. How did she get there? I want to see more of that journey. Um, with that said, I was pleasantly surprised by Kristen Wiig's portrayal of Cheetah. I thought right. she she held her own, and, and I wanted to see more of it. I think she could have done more with the role if she were given more time to showcase it. Um, yeah, I agree with you there. I feel like uh, Kristen Wiig, I think, has a chops. You know, it, Obviously, mm-hmm. she can be very funny, but I think that she's taken some roles in the past 10 years or so where she has shown a little more vulnerability and could have shown a little more insidiousness, right? And I, I agree with you there. I think there may have been one scene. Was there a scene where there was like a, a mugger or like a bum that she kind of knew in DC? And mm-hmm. I don't know if she killed him or something. But yeah, you definitely need that one scene where she's like, again, super vicious. Like, right. like I am the cheetah. I am the apex predator. Um, you said you were, but you didn't, you didn't show. And I think that's something that we talked about a few months ago is is this movie did a lot of exposition. I am the apex predator. This is the monkey's paw. I want to grant this wish, but it didn't really show you them doing anything. I think the closest we got to seeing her, like, get her her strength is uh, they had a funny scene where she was in the gym working out and she was suddenly doing like 45 dumbbells in, in each arm. And okay, you know, she's strong now, I guess. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, I just no, thought that, that was... was hilarious. But, um, and then, you know, going to the end of the movie, I mean, what was up with that Hallmark Christmas movie ending? Uh... It was just really cheesy to me. And it just seemed like everyone just seemingly all of a sudden realizes, you know, that you can't have it all. There's only one thing that you can have and that's truth. And that seemed to be the theme of the movie is truth. The truth is the only thing that everyone can have, Um, you know, and everyone just renounces their wishes and it's just all hunky dory from there, whatever. And that's how the movie ends. But it feels like she learned that lesson twice. Like she learns it as, as a little girl in Themyscira, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's no shortcuts. You have to do things honorably and with truth. And that's what makes things beautiful. And then I guess, you know, a hundred, 200 years later, she's like, well, I guess I learned that lesson again. Definitely. Well, um, 
I think we've kind of torn the movie apart, but uh, what do you want to see in the next movie? We've got, this is a trilogy, so we've got one more to go. What do you think we'll see in the last movie? I think, um, I definitely want to see Gal Gadot. I want to see more Wonder Woman. Um, I want to see something modern, set modern day. One of the things that, that is hard with prequels is that if they take place in the 80s, but she's around now, that nothing really happened to her, right? Like nothing, nothing's really going to change uh, from, from, you know, 1984 to 2020, right? And we just, we're on the, the cusp of the uh, Zack Snyder release of, of Justice League, right? So that's getting a lot of attention. So it's kind of interesting, Tess, that you bring that up because we might be in a, a very interesting, I'll say, I'll say interesting uh, layout for, for DC films, right? Seeing how, what the reaction is to the Snyder cut and what happens to HBO and what happens to WB, and you know, that can kind of dictate, well, where do we want to go from here? And I have to say, you know, we're not talking about Justice League and, and I had a lot of issues with it, but one of the things I did like was Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman there, right? I thought she, she, in the limited screen time that she had, she showed that she was a valiant warrior, a leader. She showed that uh, she can kind of take charge. And that's one of the things I would have liked. Uh, I had, I'm kind of going inside baseball here. I used to have this big argument with my friend Aldo. And I said that Wonder Woman was the leader, right? Like she's the natural leader of the Justice League. And he's like, no way, it's gotta be Superman. <laughs> because Superman has always been, I said, okay, just listen. You know, if we're just going by the movies themselves, right? The first Wonder Woman, she is leading this kind of like commando squad uh, through no man's land, right? Like she she knows what it takes to keep these these soldiers uh, motivated, ready, you know, loyal, right? So she has exactly what it takes to lead, uh, you know, lead people, whether it's in 1918 or 2018. And I would like to see that kind of move forward, right? Even though... You know, we have our Justice League, and I guess Superman's leader, but Batman kind of gets everyone together. If you elected Wonder Woman as your president, as your leader, as a general, not only does she have hundreds of years of uh, fighting and combat and warfare tactics, right? Like, you're talking to someone who's who's been waging wars for, for you know, centuries. It comes from a long line of pe- women that have done so, right? But you also can show, do something different, right? Like, okay... Here's a person not unlike Captain America. Captain America has been was a soldier, and he understands what to bring the Avengers together. Wonder Woman can do the same for, for the Justice League. I'd like to see that. Um, there was a, an issue, or there was a comic called Flashpoint where it took place in a alternate reality where uh, there was a war between the Amazons and the Atlanteans. And I always like that idea, like Wonder Woman's leading her uh, army and Aquaman's leading his army, and they're constantly fighting, and that fight engulfs all of Europe. And I that would be cool. I think that would be really, really cool if you do that kind of like weird alternate reality. I think that'd be a hell of a movie. I don't. What would you think to that, Tessa? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think what I would want to see uh, first and foremost is you know definitely a better storyline, and of course, they think it should be executed in a more linear fashion unlike unlike 1984 um i i like this movie but the story was just all over the place and it took forever to get to the point and <laughs> you know we hopefully that can be that can be avoided again in in the last movie 
Uh, like you, I also want to see a current day Wonder Woman. You know, we saw her origin story. We know what she was up to in the 80s. But what about the modern day Diana Prince? What truth and injustices is she fighting for now? That's, you know, what that's something that I would want to see. And you talked about this earlier. Uh, Linda Carter, we saw her in the post credit scene. Uh, it was revealed that she was uh, the character of Asteria. She's an ancient Amazonian warrior. That golden armor that we see Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman wearing towards the end of the movie actually belonged to Asteria. And Diana had been searching for her, believing that she's still somewhere out there. And, you know, we come to find that she is. The only thing that she had been able to find at that point was just her armor. Perhaps that could be the potential storyline for the next movie. I think that would be really interesting to see. Um, yeah, uh, that's that's really all I could envision for the next movie. Um, just well, anything. Be, I was just going to say any anything story? could be better than the second movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. Well, what could be interesting, Tessa? I'm glad you said that. You know, in our modern times, right when when ideals about truth and justice and compassion, you know, can kind of get skewed, right? You know, I don't want to get too heavy or political, but we live in we live in a modern day where these things, especially through social media, uh, can be skewed. You know, what is the truth and what is, um, you know, honor and what does that mean, right? And what is the, the difference between that and political agenda, right? What if Wonder Woman has to deal with that, right? And what if she's like, man, I've lost my way. You know, when I came, when I came to what's usually called man's world, right? When I've come to man's world, I understood what was important and we fought for truth and justice but now it seems like it's all topsy-turvy and that's maybe where you bring back linda carter and linda carter goes you know i've been walking this earth for hundreds of years and nothing ever changes right don't get too far away from the people right maybe that's one of the things that the reason that she's backpacking is she's still kind of keeping uh she's kind of keeping her relationship with humanity on a very very ground level right doesn't get mm -hmm. too elevated into politics and heads of state and armies and, and the trappings of power. She's not becoming that isolated, right? And you said that earlier, right? Like Barbara Minerva and Diana Prince were isolated. And maybe that's the reason why, is it Asteria? Asteria, uh-huh. Asteria. Maybe she comes back to say, listen, don't, don't keep yourself isolated. You have to see these people. You have to know these people. Uh, you know, travel the earth, right? Maybe like as a wandering samurai or something. But mm -hmm. that is what's going to keep you grounded. You have to literally be grounded if you're going to help people and going to encompass these values of of truth and justice and compassion. Don't ever get to a point where you're you're so far removed, right? And maybe that could be something too. Like, don't get so far removed with the Justice League where you guys are hanging out on a satellite above the earth thinking, what can be done for the human condition? You have to always, every day, wake up looking for the best in things and with those relationships in a one-to-one. -one, uh, but one of the nice things about being an Amazon and maybe a, you know a demigod is that you don't have a lifespan of you know, 70, 80 years. You've got a light, longer lifespan, so you can kind of do more good longer and leave that impression. And maybe that would be, you know, an interesting way to go. Yeah, um, that's interesting that you say that. I, I definitely could see 
a potential there for Diana to become disillusioned with everything uh, throughout the years. And perhaps, you know, Asteria coming back, maybe that could be the role that she plays. She could be a, a mentor of sorts again to Diana and kind of like lead her back to the right path. Um, that would be really interesting to see. So um, looking forward to it, what, whatever it might be, uh, the next movie. Uh, well, uh, with that said, my dear friend, I think we've talked about all we can uh, about Wonder Woman 1984. We came, we saw, mm-hmm. we left a little bit deflated and disappointed. Uh, we've, we've got one more movie to go in the trilogy, but I think, I think I'm going to go ahead and keep my expectations low so as not to be disappointed, but I really, really, really hope I'm blown away. I really hope I am. Um, I don't think a release date has been announced yet, but I kind of feel like we're a couple of years away from it, but hopefully it'll be sooner than later. Um, Adam Danger, any parting words, my friend, any words of wisdom before we go? Uh, Any words I don't have, I lack the words of wisdom you know i lack the uh the capability for that but no this has been fun tessa mtv i'm really glad i know you said that we're leaving a little deflated but i really feel that the main ingredients for a kick-ass movie are all there right this would be one thing if we didn't like gal gadot uh we didn't really have you know the mascara or uh, the mythology right like the mm-hmm. the the bones are still there for something to really be interesting and really be good. I was going to ask you, you know, I don't, I don't want to go too long, but I did want to ask you, you know, what role do you think Patty Jenkins played as a director? Do you think, do you think this was maybe just a, a misstep or is this maybe studio interference? You know, uh, I'd like to see Patty Jenkins back as a director. I just would, I think you and I can agree, maybe a little more disciplined and make the story a little more disciplined. But what do you think, you know, Patty Jenkins has, uh, you know, a hand in this? Well, I'm not sure what went wrong as far as, you know, production-wise with the second movie. Um, I think we did talk about that there was some kind of studio interference at at some point. So potentially that could have been where the issues were. I know that she is tied to the third movie. And I have read a few articles uh, where she is talking about keeping the storyline for the third movie vague and under wraps. So perhaps something like that with the second movie happened, you know, leaks and whatnot uh, transpired and, and, you know, maybe that caused things to go wrong with, with the storyline to some degree, but I really hope that she can not necessarily, um, make a carbon copy of the first movie, but I think it needs to follow the same type of storyline. I mean, clearly everybody loved the origin story and, and seeing Timiscara and, and all the Amazons on that Island. So I do hope that it stays similar to that, but build upon it, you know? Um, but I think she, she certainly did well with the first movie you know, she didn't do so well with the second movie and it's not entirely her fault. She didn't write the movie, but she was certainly in charge of directing it. And so hopefully the third movie, um, you know, will, will redeem her 
from the I think second too, movie. Like, she has uh, Star Wars Rogue Squadron is going to be her next big project, right? So that's going to be, you know, in the Star Wars universe. That could be something where she just bounces back, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe she just comes in and does Rogue Squadron. Did you see her YouTube video right when they announced it back in November? No, I didn't. She did like this video where she's talking about like, I'm really glad to be a part of Star Wars. One of the things about Star Wars I really like is uh, my dad was a fighter pilot, you know, and I want to tell a story of these these brave uh, individuals, men and women. And then she like she's driving right and she drives up to like an uh, airfield or like an airbase. And then she like puts on the orange jumpsuit as in like in Star Wars, like an X-Wing fighter. <laughs> and she gets on the ladder like she's going to go into this. I think they do have a an X-Wing out there. Right? And she's like, I'm really excited to do Rogue Squadron. And it was really, really sweet. And it was really um, it was really interesting. Right. And that's back when in November, when when Disney Plus announced all these new Star Wars projects. Uh, so with Wonder Woman 84 coming up, people were like, ooh, what's going to happen with Rogue? Like, is it going to be this bad? Is it going to be good? I'm hoping that this allows Patty just to kind of maybe uh, start a new, do a new project, bounce back, get some ideas, get the juices flowing. Be like, man, I had such a good job. It's going to be a show like The Mandalorian. I had such a good job doing this. This was really cool. Um, let's take this energy and these kind of ideas and this kind of verve, right, and apply it to Wonder Woman 3. And that could be very exciting. That could be very invigorating. And I, we've seen that before. Where people jump from Star Wars to Marvel or to uh, mm-hmm. Marvel to DC. And they just kind of bring a little more energy and like, okay, well, let's do this with it. Let's have this kind of vision. Uh, and so it's just like, you know, maybe it's just a, this wasn't a home run. And this this may have just been, but I don't think she's in a slump. Uh, but, you know, this could be a, the nice thing to, hey, get me right back on track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely not a home run, but something that she can bounce back from for sure. And I know we're both looking forward to it. All right, uh, my friends, I think uh, we're going to call it a day on Wonder Woman 1984. I hope we didn't persuade you not to watch it. It it was a good movie. Uh, We don't want to completely trash it. Um, It it did leave us a little disappointed, but, you know, not all movies are going to be up to our expectations, right? Um, And we go into them knowing that. But um, with that, my friends, I will uh, bid you adieu. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye, y'all.